Hello, listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a bi-weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends. The monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. In the pursuit of mythological creatures, when you run across a creature from another culture you aren't familiar with, there can sometimes be a temptation to say, that creature is just another version of a creature you're familiar with. It's not necessarily a bad impulse, just an impulse to ground yourself in the familiar. It only becomes a problem when that impulse to call one thing another leads to the creatures becoming divorced of their unique culture and the features that make them special. The familiar overpowers the unfamiliar to the point that the creatures become entangled, generic. And nowhere can you find a better example than the unicorn and the chilin. So today, let's go deep on that chilin lore and kick up the dust in the unicorn fandom because we're advocates. And advocates don't rest until all monsters are given fair representation. This is not to say, of course, that we can't spend some time with the unicorns. After all, even with their newfound popularity via beverages and all things rainbow and sparkly, there are still a lot of things about them that aren't common knowledge. For example, have you ever wondered about the more Middle Ages depiction of the unicorn? The one with the beard and cloven hooves? Well, one theory about this more goat-like unicorn is that it was inspired by just that, a goat. Or, more specifically, by a sighting of a wild goat with a single horn. And I'm not just talking about a goat that happens to be missing a right or a left horn, but a goat with one single horn in the middle of its forehead. Sounds unlikely though, right? Well, not as unlikely as you might think. For one, both antlered and horned mammals can and do occasionally experience genetic disorders or trauma in early horn or antler development that can result in the animal displaying a single horn in the middle of its forehead. In 2008, a wild roe deer possessing a single antler in the middle of its forehead was discovered in Italy. In 2017, another roe deer, also with a single antler in the middle of its forehead, was filmed in the Sibyllini Mountains of central Italy. These two unrelated incidents, not so far apart in time and space, make a compelling argument that early Greek naturalists, such as Cesius, who first described the unicorn in his natural history, could have actually seen a wild horned or antlered animal with a genetic mutation or traumatic injury that did in fact possess a single cubit and a half 700 millimeter or 28 inch horn or antler on its forehead that also happened to be colored white, red, and black. Strong wild contenders for potentially mutated ancient unicorn, based on geography and appearance, would be the scimitar and Arabian oryx, both of which are predominantly white antelopes with spiraling horns that live in the region that Cesius was writing about in his book On India. Sadly, both species of oryx are now incredibly rare in the wild, due to overwhelming demand for their horns, 
which is yet another thing that only makes them more like the unicorn. If you can't find organic unicorn, though, well, you could always make one. In the 1980s, a man named Oberon Zell, a self-proclaimed wizard, cryptozoologist, and polyamorous neo-pagan, used the work of 1930s biologist Franklin Dove as the basis for a personal project. Zell had become inspired to research what makes a unicorn a unicorn after reading Peter S. Beagle's The Last Unicorn in the 1970s. His conclusion was that a unicorn was a horse-like animal with a single uniform horn protruding from its forehead. And, after taking biology and pre-med courses in college, he figured that was an attainable goal. You see, some horned animals, such as cows and goats, actually have a period of time while they're very young in which the buds, the tissue from which their horns grow, has not yet permanently attached to the skull, and can therefore be manipulated. Using the work of Franklin Dove, Zell found a method of reliably manipulating the buds of weak-old goat kids and suturing them together in such a way that when the two horns began to develop, they would actually merge into each other, creating a single horn. Using Angora goats that had been hybridized with Sanen goats for a more horse-like appearance, Zell successfully created animals with luxurious white coats, a somewhat horse-like appearance, and naturally grown singular horns protruding from the center of their foreheads. These unicorns were so convincing that for a time one of Zell's animals, a male unigoat named Lancelot, actually toured with the Ringling Brothers Circus in 1986 and was promoted by the circus as a living unicorn. This created a lot of controversy at the time, which mostly resulted in lots of veterinarians angrily x-raying the once-and-future unicorn to try and determine if horn contouring is animal abuse or not. By contrast, no one has ever tried to make a chilin. That's because to make a chilin, you'd probably need to spend a little bit more time in the lab than Zell did. A chilin like a griffin, or, well, a chimera, is a monster made of many different creatures. Generally, a chilin has the head of an eastern dragon, a body shaped like an ox, deer, or horse, cloven hooves, and varying degrees of scaling covering its body. It can also have varying degrees of fire, whiskers, fins, feathers, and tufts of fur. But one thing it almost always has is head ornamentation. The chilin is a divine creature, in the same class as a dragon. So often, the ornamentation depicted on a chilin is antlers in the style of a Chinese dragon, sometimes two, but also sometimes one, which is one of a couple of reasons that it gets labeled as a unicorn-adjacent animal. Even a one-horned chilin, though, is pretty easy to distinguish from a unicorn from afar. While traditionally, unicorns have favored whites, silvers, pearls, and occasional gold accents on the hooves and horn, chilin are always dressed to impress. And by that I mean that their most basic look is all gold, and it only gets more dramatic from there. 
with reds, jewel tones, elemental and star colors, and multi-hued fur just being the basic starter options for a Chilin out on the town. But what is a Chilin like? A unicorn is a proud, fierce creature that embodies wild magic, but is also sometimes associated with virgins and has a horn that is equal parts good for goring and nullifying poison. But what's the Chilin's deal? Well, it turns out, the Chilin's deal is kind of being a big deal. Seeing a unicorn is exciting, and kings in the Middle Ages would do anything to get their hands on some one-horned pony. But a Chilin is an emissary of the divine. Capital D. The Chilin can speak human languages, and its voice sounds like bells, chimes, and the wind. The Chilin walks on clouds and water to avoid bending even a blade of grass. It's so vegan, it won't even eat something that's been alive. And when a Chilin shows up, it's only to foretell the birth of a sage, the death of a sage, to admire how awesome the digs are, or to kick some wicked butt. It's ranked as the third most divine beast in Chinese mythology, right behind the dragon and the phoenix, and the most divine beast in Japanese mythology. It's no surprise, then, that Chilins were associated with people who were kind of a big deal, including showing up in the gardens of the Yellow Emperor, crashing in the capital of Emperor Yao, and bringing its a boy balloons to announce the birth of Confucius. It should come as no surprise, then, that if you were an important person in early China, you wanted to be associated with the Chilin. And while European lords were busy buying dubiously sourced unicorn horns to try and avoid this week's peasant poisoning attempt, a Chinese mariner named Zhang Yi sailed to Somalia and brought his emperor back what he believed to be two real, live Chilin. There was no doubt about it. The animals he returned with for the emperor had two horns, a mane, a scale pattern in their fur, long, slender legs to avoid harming the grass, and they were even golden like dragons. The Ming Emperor at the time, not one to pass up the chance to be seen as a great and benevolent ruler, agreed that this was indeed a fine pair of Chilins Zheng Yi had returned with, and that's why, even today, the word Chirin is used in Japanese and Korean to refer to both a mystical divine dragon horse and a giraffe. Now, despite all this, one of the wonderful things about Chilins is that while they are often associated with royalty and people of great importance, they are also just as happy to intervene in common but especially good people's day-to-day lives. For example, Chilin only appear in areas governed by a benevolent and wise person. This can also include an individual's household. This means that if you are a truly good and just person, it's not unreasonable that someday a fiery dragon deer might just appear at your kitchen table. You know, just to congratulate you on what a good job you're doing ruling the place. Sometimes, though, Even if you are extra good and pure, you might still get falsely accused and be brought to court. 
Don't worry though, because if you're really, really good and innocent, it's also not unreasonable that a fiery dragon deer will appear at your trial to defend you in court. There are several Chinese legends of a good person being defended in court by the divine intervention of a Qilin, because a. Being divine, they have the superpower of seeing a person's true nature and evil and good deeds, and b. They are fully capable of speaking human language. If your false accuser still insists on trying to bring you to harm, though, don't panic. Chilins are continuously wreathed in divine flame, and there are several accounts of Chilins spouting fire from their mouths or exercising other elemental powers to punish the wicked. And these are, in fact, the only accounts in which Chilin harm another living being. Nowadays, the modern-day Chilin has a more modest and less fiery distinction of being a symbol of luck, good omens, protection, prosperity. Success and longevity. In contrast to the unicorn's association with virgins, the chilin is also a symbol of fertility, and is sometimes adorably depicted in decorations as bringing a baby to a family, which is eight thousand times cooler than a stork. In Japan, there's also a beer called chirin that has a happy and possibly a little drunk chirin as its mascot. As a way of implying that this chirin is here to bring the good times and the alcohol. So there you have it, the chilin and the unicorn. Despite the differences between the two, they do share a few similarities. They can both have one horn, they can both be associated with virtue, and they're both associated with royalty. Sometimes the familiar can be seen in the foreign. And that's probably a testament to why the Chinese government has actually minted several silver and gold coins that depict both the Chilin and the unicorn together. And I think that's perfect, because in a way, isn't that what we're all striving for—to be recognized as familiar, but still maintain our unique identities? Not everything has to be a unicorn, and we don't lose a Chinese unicorn acknowledging that. We just gain a chilin. That's all for horned ungulates this week. If you liked this episode, I strongly encourage you to ask a chilin for the show notes. Honestly, the article about the Ringling Brothers and Oberon Zell is a great party story. Musical score as well as intro and outro were done by unicorn admirer Scott Ethington. Find music to inspire divine beasts at Bazooka Raccoon on SoundCloud.com. Finally, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening, and remember, anyone can be a monster.